Aloha. Aloha. Welcome to the show, the big show, the love, the most re- critically renowned, criti- critically renowned, <laughs> and important show that is filmed in our car. Actually, our rental car at the moment. So we're on another one of our trips. So, aloha from South Dakota. It, it is what it is. But you're talking to an old Hawaii boy here. And you're talking to a, a woman who loves the great state of Hawaii as well. And right now we have a situation going on in Hawaii. Kilauea, the volcano, is erupting. It just started erupting in, in 1983. The first... Yeah, when I graduated from high school, it started erupting. The administration. And, and it's been in the news constantly in the last couple of weeks. I don't really know why. I yet... It wiped, it paved a few more houses. And I think it's an interesting, this whole situation of Kilauea, okay, is such an interesting study of the American media, the American news culture, and American culture in general. Because Kilauea erupting is not news. It's been erupting since 1983. To be fair. It's been erupting to the surface since 1983. It's been erupting since the moment it started to rise from the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Truth. The whole island is nothing but a giant mass of volcanoes. The whole chain is nothing. Hawaiian chain is nothing but a big mass of volcanoes. Okay. They are. We're going to talk about the Big Island, and we're going to give you a perspective about because the Big Island is we love. We have spent some of our vacation time there and enjoyed Much, it greatly. We have, and considered we have, moving yes, there. We have, we have crawled over dang near every inch of that island on many, many vac- vacation visits. And then uh, I I knew it before then because I, when I was a kid, I was a military brat in military in Hawaii, blah, blah, blah. So pressing right along. We, we, we've got a pretty good idea. In fact, we own a, a, a small piece of land. <laughs> a very small piece of land. In Hawaii on... on on the uh, slopes of Mauna Loa. So, I'm going to give you a brief geography lesson and tell you why all this news is not news. My point isn't just to entertain you, and hopefully it will be entertaining, because this is a, uh, a subject we love to talk about, and we have a lot of different uh, takes on Hawaii than most people do. Uh, our... Uh, our viewpoint is not that of a tourist, but rather that of a, of a couple of real people and preppers who've been to Hawaii. Um, okay, let's just start with the basics of the big island. I'm not going to talk about the other islands because they're all dead. Well, okay, Maui is not quite dead. Maui has one volcano that is still considered active. But the hot spot torment. has moved on. The hot, spot's the hot spot under the uh, right. ocean plate. And as the plate slides over it, it melts parts of the crust, and you get volcanoes. But a different, now it's the big island that's right over the hot spot. Right, and the hot spot is sliding south of the big island. So, here's what you got. You've got a, this hot spot has been going, now we're not New Earthers. We're not getting into religion, but we're not New Earthers. We're just going to say that because it, we're we're into geology. It just, make sense that just doesn't. It does not work. So the hot spot, if and you can look at a map. The hot spot's been sliding across the Pacific for eons and eons for deep time. 
the hot spot has been sitting still and the plate has yeah, been well, okay, sliding yeah. across the hot to be spot fair. for eons. Yeah. And that's created this whole big, huge change of vol- chain of volcanic islands out in the middle of nowhere because it's a hot spot. Uh, they, can cre- they can be anywhere. Yellowstone's a hot spot, for example, under a continental or oceanic plate. And as the plates are moving, the hot spot sits still. And right now, that hot spot's sitting basically, part of it's sitting right under Kilauea, Part of it's sitting right under Mauna Loa, and Mauna Loa and Kilauea are two big, massive volcanoes. But when I explain the geography, it'll make sense as to why that matters, because they're the two most active volcanoes on Hawaii. And then there's another volcano, which is now a seamount, which means it's not up above the surface yet, but it is the next island in the chain. It's called Loihi. And Lohi's bubbling away down there. Lohi is going mad down there. I mean, it's really erupting all the time, too. But it's off the coast and really doesn't play into any... Um, it's not near the surface yet, so yes. it's all right. It's wait a Okay, so let's take a look at the geography of the Big Island. The Big Island is, consists of five volcanoes. And then a bunch of uh, vents and cinder cones and stuff like that. All over the island. All right. So, the northernmost volcano is called Kohala. Okay, Kohala's dead. Kohala is completely and absolutely dead. It's not dormant. It is dead. The hot spot has moved past it. Okay. And Kohala's uh, not that big of a volcano anymore. It started to erode down because volcanoes erode pretty quickly. I mean, the, the lava and stuff is pretty soft stuff. So it erodes pretty quickly. That's why the older of the the older you get of the Hawaiian chains, like Kauai is the oldest of the major islands. That's why it's so beautifully eroded. And if you look at the uh, the patterns of the islands, the further north they are, the more eroded they are because that's why the because of the hot they were the first older. ones to emerge, right? And that's why even if you look at the Big Island, which is the newest island. The north part of the big island, which is Kohala, that's where you get like the Waipio Valley and all of the uh, beautiful uh, erosion and waterfalls and stuff like that is on the north part. And more than that, the weight of the island actually makes the island sink into the ocean as the crust forms a dimple on it, like a a big guy sitting on a waterbed. Right. The big island, for example, the big island is, if you count from the the seafloor, by far the tallest island, or the tallest mountain on the earth. Dwarfs uh, Everest. Yeah. From the bottom of the seafloor to the top of Mauna Loa, it just absolutely dwarfs Everest. Now, here's one thing, to, another thing to keep in mind, too. When you're on the big island and you go out a couple, three miles, not very far, that ocean just drops. It just goes boom. There's no, there's no big reef around it. All the reefs are in the shallow areas. So you get off the coast of that island, and it just goes to deep blue sea real fast, which is one of the reasons the water is blue there instead of green. So, so why don't you explain to them what this has to do with prepping? What does this have? Well, we'll come back to that. This has, I'm just, I, I have to explain the situation of the island so people can have a basis if they've never really paid a lot of attention to it. So we got five volcanoes, right? Kohala, dead. Mauna Kea, which is a boomer. It's a big one. It's a tall volcano. There's snow on the top of Mauna Kea, 
every year in the middle of the winter. We've met Hawaii's only snowplow driver. Yeah, they have a snowplow. Did you know that there's a snowplow driver in the in the state of Hawaii? It's We've not met. a full-time job, though. Okay. No, it's not a full-time job he works with. That's where they have all those telescopes and observatories because the air there is so clear because there's no major cities within other than Honolulu, which the Honolulu breeze does not blow towards Hawaii. The breezes there come from the different direction. Um, so the light pollution is very, very, very minor. It's very far south, so there's less atmosphere to look up through. So Mauna Kea is one of the great observatory sites in the world. And it's at, you know, 13,000 feet. But Mauna Kea is not dead. Mauna Kea is what's known as dormant. Now, it hasn't erupted in a long time. But all those telescopes up there, the CAC and the all those big, huge, fancy millions and millions and millions of dollar telescopes, they all have an escape plan. And the people who live there in the Astronomer's Village, they all have a, an emergency exit plan in case Mauna Loa decides to erupt. Well, the expensive telescopes are just stuffed, so the yeah. astronomers really hope it doesn't happen during their lifetimes. But the astronomers but have a... Mauna Kea will yeah. erupt again, most Probably. likely. Um, and you get up there, and there's cinder cones, which means that it's where the, the, the eruptions have kind of died out. And they big these big cones all over the top of Mauna Mauna Kea, and they're pretty recent. Okay, that's those two. Volcano number three is on the Kona coast side. It's called Hualalai. You fly into Kona. You're landing on a runway that is paved over the top of, I believe it's a 1829 lava flow. About that. It's about that. Don't hold me to it. I'm just doing this on top of my head. Your plane is landing on a lava flow that's from the last 200 years. Think about that. Your pl- they built an airport on a lava flow from the last 200 years. That means within a couple of gener- or two or three generations of when you were born, that lava has been flowing. The entire town of Kalukona and all up on that hill, all the whole hill there is built on the side of an active volcano. All right? Then you've got the big one. The, most of the island is this one volcano. And that's Mauna Loa. And it's a corker. I mean, it's a big volcano. It's a big volcano. So all the way around the island, you're on the slopes of Mauna Loa. And frankly, anywhere on the slopes of Mauna Loa, which is active and has been active as recently as, you know, in the last 25 years... You're building on the side of lava flows that have come in recent history. Okay? All the way around the island. Hilo is in the path of Mauna Loa. All right. Then we have Kilauea. Kilauea is kind of like a, a sister volcano to Mauna Loa. And Kilauea is the one that has just where the vent really is sitting right now. And it's been going since 1983. And it's 5,000 feet tall. Mauna Loa towers over it, but it's 5,000 feet tall. They're right right there together. By going, we mean emitting. Yeah. Uh, lava, lava is flowing. gas, ashes, right. something, basically every day. 
Right. Now, Mauna Lo or Mauna Kea, I'll get it right. Kilauea, I'll get it right. Kilauea, it slopes down right to the ocean, and you see the, the fumes of the uh, lava as it hits the ocean, and you've seen the pictures. They're beautiful pictures, right? As, it, as the lava slowly flows. It's very slow-flowing lava. You can outwalk this. You're not, you're not going to get plowed by the lava. It's not racing down in rivers. It's very slow. Some volcanoes will do that to you, but not this one. Right. Um, all of the volcanoes on Hawaii are what's known as shield volcanoes, which are much less dangerous than stratovolcanoes. They're still dangerous. They'll still be able to throw, like, lava bombs up in the air when... And you can get killed by that stuff, but... But they're not as bad for gas and ash, which makes this nasty mixture that flows really fast. Yeah. So, just... Think Pompeii. Damn, Pompeii, and which people are still living under. Think Mount, Mount Rainier in Seattle, which millions of people live around, and it's a stratovolcano. Ah. Active stratovolcano. Um, so, you got this. And then you got the slopes down... From Kilauea, which has been erupting since 1983, down to the ocean. All right, now, you've got that picture, right? Here's what's really going on. You have a few people who have built their home on the downhill slopes from Kilauea, which has been erupting since 1983. You have people who have built their homes or bought their homes or are living in homes that are downslope of a, a volcano that has been erupting since 1983. And yet the news media are shocked, amazed, and just absolutely stunned by the fact that those homes are getting paved by a volcano that they built the house downhill from. You know, I, I've, been, I've been accused of being kind of heartless on this issue, but there is no, no possible way that you can live on Hawaii, on the big island, and not know that volcano could pave you if it chose to. There's just no way you could know that. Because you look up the hill and there's the volcano. When you are driving to these uh, housing complexes that have been overrun, one of the things you're having to do is avoid roads that were paved over by lava in the previous 20 years since they were paved by humans. So they put in roads, they built some houses, some eruptions paved over some of the roads. Rather than spend the expense to blast out that they built other roads to go around it. You're still taking the cutoff roads when you're going to look at this house in this uh, housing development you want to buy. And if you've never been to somewhere where these sorts of things happen, it's not difficult, especially in Hawaii, to look around and see roughly how old a volcanic eruption is. Yeah, because everything grows so fast there that... Yeah. If it's on you know, you on the wet at, side, on the wet, yeah. to be fair, on, on, the, wet on side. the wet side, the dry side, it can look like it's brand new and so and be you know three thousand years old. But where we're talking about, you can take a look at it and know from the look of the plants, roughly how long it's been since the lava flowed. 
Sure. So you can't get to these places and have your brain turned on without knowing that lava has flown there recently. Absolutely. Now, going through Volcanoes National Park, which is something I highly recommend for everybody. Oh, very cool. Um, you take the road down south, down towards the ocean, so you can see where it's spilling into the ocean, or has been anyway. And you get down to the end of the road. What is the end of the road? Well, the, the road is actually continues on all the way on a loop throughout the park and then out north, except for the fact that the lava has paved it for miles. So the road ends just under a lava flow. And they have a little visitor center there. And that visitor center is put up on a skid. So they can load <laughs> so it they onto can a move truck it, and move So it. they don't lose another visitor center. They like got they've... tired of rebuilding them. <laughs> of course, people this... want to go down and look at the lava flows, so they have a visitor center. But now they know to make it mobile. This should tell you something, okay? If this isn't making a, a prepper... I, Hawaii is paradise. But it's paradise that has active volcanoes, that has had tens of thousands of people killed in tsunamis in the last 200 years, that has been hit by hurricane after hurricane. I mean, it may be paradise, but it's certainly a place that could get you killed from Mother Nature's wrath. It's also a place that is largely supported by imports from a very long distance away across a very big stretch of water. That always made me nervous when we were considering moving to Hawaii. It is not by nature a self-supporting kind of place with the population of people that are currently on it. Right. Now, you could easily. I mean, there's lots of places there that have dirt good enough to have absolutely magnificent truck. You you can grow fruit and vegetables all year round. And the Big Island has good cattle farming area. A massive cattle farm. They have giant cattle farms. Uh, on the big in fact, it's the Kohala area is good cattle country, but you can do it. It's just that they make so much money, more money from tourism that they don't really bother. And there's some cultural issues too that we won't really get into. Where you know, bottom line, if you haven't lived there for a very long time, then you are not going to be very welcome if the stuff hits the fan. But anyway. Now, there's another thing that anybody who's a country person will realize immediately what I'm talking about uh, when analyzing the Hawaii news that you've been hearing. You know, we are used to hearing about forest fires that, that knock out, you know, 20,000 acres, 30,000 acres, 40,000 acres, a huge, you know, Natural disasters, right? Kilauea has paved about a hundred acres. That's all we're talking about is a hundred acres. I'm looking at a farm field next to me that's a thousand acres. I'm just driving past. Right now I'm driving under an underpass and we're getting out there. And we can see, after we get to this underpass, it's very clear. I can see one, two farm fields, one on each side. That's at least 400 acres per field. So we're talking about a very small area here. It just happened to be one where people had built houses. And why did they build it? Because the land was cheap. They wanted to live in paradise and... 
that was all they could afford. And why was land cheap? Because, because it's on the side of a volcano. You know, it's inviting disaster and then crying and screaming when disaster takes up the invitation. Now, there's a lot of people who live in a place called um, Ocean View. Ocean View, and I'm not going to, it's a fascinating story, the Ocean View development. It really is, but I'm not going to go into the details. But it's on the, it's on the side of Mauna Loa. And these are the more, uh, what you call it, independent-minded people. Because a lot of them don't have any water, they don't have power, but then they just build their uh, houses any way they want to and hope the government doesn't crack down on them. <laughs> Those permitted and unpermitted, oh, the red tape in Hawaii is shocking. Yeah. That's another, well, anyway, we don't talk about politics on the show, on the show but we will say that there's a, I did a story called In the Zone in early in the thing. You really want to check your zones in Hawaii. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, you know, these people, but they realize that they're living on the, on the slopes of Mauna Loa. And Mauna Loa is very active. It's going to erupt and probably, well, I don't know, maybe this last really good eruption from Kilauea, since they come from the same source, may keep Mauna Loa from erupting for a while. But their houses will eventually get paved, because that's just the way it is. And you have to realize that. And you just be willing to rebuild about 10 feet up. <laughs> you just be a little higher. Yeah. And they build like they expect that. They build like they expect to be without services. Uh, getting out would could be a problem, but they all have that in mind when you talk to them. That it's not a shocking idea in their life that they may need to evacuate and come back to find cinders or that their water tank is now 10 feet under lava or whatever. Now, the Royal Garden subdivision is gone now. <coughs> Excuse me. The last one, the last house standing got paved last year. It got paved. What do you mean by that? It's lava float over it. Pele Paving Company. Pele is the god of volcanoes. God, god of fire. Goddess of fire. And, uh, no, we really don't believe in the goddess of fire. But, you know, it's a really cool story. And but it's that a guy had li- of quite the force of nature. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy had lived with. there for the last 20 years after everybody else in his neighborhood got paved. But he didn't. It flowed around him. Cork of the geography. He had no roads in. There was... Uh, lava paving over every road in. He carried his water in. I think he used an ATV after a while. For a while he had to do it on foot, but then he got an ATV path cleared out and would drive his water in and out on an ATV. His insurance company wouldn't pay for his house because his house was fine. That's kind of his problem that, that there are no more roads to it and no more power and no more water. and And it was the only house he had, so there... There he stayed. For 20 years. Yep. Finally, finally, the quirk in the geography didn't save him. Just a little bit more about the Hawaiian volcanoes and other volcanoes, in case you're just not a volcano person. If you are, you can ignore this. But We're talking about shield volcanoes, and we're talking about uh, stratovolcanoes. And it's just the, the, the different composition of the way that they're put together. Um, the shield volcano will erupt. It'll shoot fire 
500 feet into the sky. It'll shoot this lava. It's not fire, but it's lava, molten lava. Lava will come down, and it'll flow basically in two forms. One's called a'a, and one's called pohoihoi, both Hawaiian words. Uh, pohoihoi is the uh, much, it's the more common, but they, they, they're both Smoother, quite common. Smoother, glassier looking. Much easier to walk on. Yeah. I like uh, pohoihoi. Uh-uh. I'm pretty sure they named it because somebody was barefoot and having to walk over cooled lava of that form going, ah, 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 ah. Not because even joking here. It's, yeah, seriously not joking. It's Because sharp. it's a whole bunch of really sharp, like a whole, if you took a handful of diamonds and crushed them together to make these big knobby pep, or, uh, pebbles with uh, sharp edges and then tossed a whole bunch of them in a pile. That's pretty much what I was like. So, when you get a lava flow out of a shield volcano, yes, they can throw lava bombs. Yes, they can throw big lava bombs. And poisonous gas. There's a, there's a shelf we used to go uh, stand on at, at, uh, around the uh, Haluma'uma'u crater. Kilauea. At, at Kilauea. And sit there and eat our lunch and hang out at the crater and watch it smoke. And it's gone now because a giant lava bomb the size of a car came and crashed on the place we used to sit, and it's gone. The whole It's just gone. It just collapsed the whole thing into the crater. So big lava bombs, but that's really, you know, that's about it. Whereas... A stratovolcano. Think Mount St. Helens. Remember how Mount St. Helens just, it was getting more and more and more unactive, and then it just blew? It just went boom. Half hap- the mountain blew out, <laughs> and <laughs> giant clouds of toxic burning ash and gas rolled downhill at faster than anybody could clear out of their way. Something is known as a pyroclastic flow. And pyroclastic flows are what kills a lot of people. That's what buried Pompeii is. Pompeii and Herculaneum. A lot of people have heard of Pompeii, so I'll yeah. throw those guys in there. Uh, pyroclastic flows are, are they are really funky, they're weird, they're fascinating, but they can kill you. Um, and only a stratovolcano can do it. When the... Uh, Krakatoa blew. It, I mean, actually blew up. The whole island just went boom. There were just fragments of the island left. When it blew, it sent a pyroclastic flow across the water. Same thing happened at Pompeii when Vesuvius blew. And that the pyroclastic flow just skips across the top of the water. Because so it's largely gas. Water doesn't stop it, and it just melts people and buries them. It's it's horrible stuff. And yet we have people living on the slopes of Vesuvius right now. A whole huge city is sitting right under Vesuvius. And under Rainier. And, and under Rainier, which is the same kind of too. Old, Here's uh, the deal. People want, we have very short memories when it comes to disasters. And people will make, they'll see that beautiful land there and a place they want to live. And they'll buy their houses, and they'll sink all their resources into this place. And it is, a disaster is going to happen there. It's just a matter of when. And when it happens, everything underneath it 
is going to be completely wiped out and destroyed. And people are going to lose everything. And this is not uh, some unforeseen tragedy. This is a, if you would have opened your stinking eyes, you would have seen it coming a mile off tragedy. Now, we're not saying it may not be worth it. It may be worth it to you. I mean, you live out there on a barrier island in the Gulf. Gulf Breeze, for example. And you build this house up on stilts. You know, sooner or later, that thing is going to end up debris floating around in the ocean. Because that's just the way it is. You're going to have a hurricane that takes it. You know that building it, and if you're willing to take that hit, okay, that's fine. Be but prepared to be able to get out in time I don't and know. to have enough to start over again. I don't know if that to. podcast ever aired. We did a podcast from Gulf Breeze talking about, hey, if you want to be a stealth prepper, live here. Because nobody would ever suspect <laughs> you of being a prepper if you live in one of these places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it's beautiful. and it, it, When the weather's good, it's great. But, man, but it's going to die. You've got these beautiful <laughs> places on the ocean where you can live, look out at that beautiful ocean and see that hurricane coming. And there won't be a thing one you can do about it. And then they had this single long bridge connecting the island to the mainland where everybody who lived out there would have to get everything out to be able to escape. And then they had these a small selection of uh, roads that led back into more hurricane-safe territory. It was a it would be a nightmare to evacuate. So, if you're going to choose to live in a place like that, being a prepper, you ought to look at it with a prepper's eye and one realistically evaluate the risks, not on what hey, it looks good this year, it's looked good for the last ten years. But what does the geography and the weather of this place indicate will probably happen in the length of time that I expect to live here? Or has a significant chance of happening in the years that I expect to live here? And how am I going to deal with that? Okay, we've been kind of joking around a little bit and talking about Gulf Breeze and talking about Kilauea and stuff like that. But this is also something every prepper needs to... Okay, looking at, at me, I live in North Missouri, right? What do I need to be prepared for? Earthquake. The New Madrid Fault could still shake us up pretty hard. It's going to at some point. And we're not right on the worst of it where we live, but we're going to feel it. And there's a lot of old brick buildings in all of these towns all across North Missouri that are going to end up in a pile of rubble. And the big problem is going to be the uh, infrastructure. Right. We'll lose a lot of bridges. We'll lose a lot of uh, lines. And not only that, but we're realistic, okay? We know that there's millions, eight million, six million, however many million people in St. Louis. There's a couple million people in Memphis, all right? Louisville. All these places that are going to be flattened when New Madrid goes. And... The counties we live in, they have anywhere from four to 7,000 people in the whole county. All of these counties in North Missouri, with the exception of Adair, which has a bigger town in it, except for that county, you know, yeah, 
8,000 people at the most in most of these counties. Some of them are, you know, not even 4,000. We're not going to get the repair trucks no, for quite a while. This isn't where they're coming. They're going to go to St. Louis. They're going to go to Columbia. And they're going to go to Hannibal. All the bigger towns in that area. Not us. So we're going to have to be self-reliant for a long period of time. Now, we may get our electricity back on without too huge of a of a uh, weight. Water, our water comes from 65 miles away. And yeah, well, I wasn't in favor of that, but when we first moved to where we, we live, we made the... the our towns the, had our own lakes. Yeah. But they decided it was too expensive to continue to purify so they built a, well, a, a really, pipe along distance. It was instead. pretty expensive because the government regulations got to be just wow. And when you're only, you know, it's not bad when you're serving, you know, 150,000 customers and you have the same regulation if you're serving 1,000 customers. You know, the amount of paperwork for one is a lot more handleable than the other because you can afford to keep a full-time person on to do it, and we couldn't. So... I mean, it makes economic sense, but sooner or later it's going to bite us in the tushy. In fact, there's a lot of these little towns that have these old lakes around. These lakes are built in the 40s and the 50s, and what are those lakes going to do when the earthquake hits? Are, the, are any of those lakes going to turn into jelly? Johnstowns. That's something I think about. Well, they won't turn into Johnstowns because there aren't any big towns downstream of them. No. But the same kind of event, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suspect some of these old city lakes, and some of them are, you know, a lot bigger than the amount of uh, Hawaii that's been paved. (laughs) A lot of these lakes are a lot bigger than 100 acres. Uh, If if their earthen dams turn to jelly, it could be bad. Yeah. If you build on a hillside in California, you're likely to slide down into the ocean. Either Just because of a mudslide or because of an earthquake or because of a mudslide following an earthquake. If you live in wildfire territory, you're likely to get wildfired. So how's that going to look? How are you going to manage it when it happens? How are you going to recover from it? In fact, if you live in California, in wildfire country, in, in the, like the hills, you might even manage to have the, the, the burnt embers of your house slide downhill in the mudslide <laughs> after the fire burns it down. But it's okay because it'll all be leveled by the earthquake that comes by to settle the remains and shake it all flat again for you. They don't have to worry about tornadoes. Sharknadoes, yes. <laughs> but tornadoes, no. I, I, I guess my big take-home from this one would be to not have a short vision with a pair of rose-colored glasses. When you're looking at where you want to live and what you want to prep for, uh, be aware of the only rare or occasional but nevertheless catastrophic events that are likely to happen in the place where you are. Factor those into your planning to decide whether or not that particular chunk of paradise is the right place for you. And if it is, be ready to deal with it when it comes. My bit of advice is when you look at the story of what's happening in Hawaii, set aside the 
blah, blah, blah story they're talking about and just concentrate on looking at the pictures because they're absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. The lava it's pictures beautiful. at night are just, oh, they're gorgeous. So just enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. And, yes, I'm sorry those people lost their home, but they live downhill from Kilauea. Come on. Seriously? Anyway. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.